0: money you can't really get through life without it some people use it to define success others use it to attain freedom whatever your motivation you need to know how to earn it how to use it and how to grow it this is tilly money Our guest today is Barb Ducorti, CEO and founder of Enyo Australia and Sante by Enyo. A community-minded spirit was ingrained in Barb from a young age after growing up in a small village in Austria with just 1,000 households. Once a self-confessed bleach queen, Barb realised her young son was suffering debilitating asthma attacks caused by cleaning chemicals, and wanted to make a change. Her company, Enyo, is built on solving a problem for her family and thousands of families across Australia. Enyo has grown from being sold in Barb's home in Perth in 1994 to a multi-million dollar company, Australia wide. In 2007, Barb was one of only 250 Australians chosen to become part of the ACF's climate project and trained by Al Gore to deliver his slideshow about the impacts and need for action on climate change. Barb, welcome to the Tilly Money podcast.
1: Welcome, good to be uh, on your podcast.
0: Yeah, it's a great pleasure to have you here. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Barb, we have a lot of businesses that we interview on Tilly Money. And there seems to be something very common about a problem that someone experiences firsthand, often in their own home with either themselves or a family member, that they put their heart into solving that problem and bingo, somehow or other, a business comes out of that. Would that be a way of saying what happened to you and to Enyo?
1: Uh, totally, uh, absolutely correct. It's, it's, I think when you look for a solution uh, which has passion and um, motivation attached, uh, this is where sometimes the best business ideas actually uh, arrive from uh, because I think it's one thing to have a, a, a business idea, but if you're also uh, emotionally attached, to, uh, emotions attached to it, this is where magic actually does happen.
0: That's right. That's that powerful magic called passion and nothing beats mm. it. You know, whatever it is, it's, um, it drives you to, as you said, find a solution. Take us through that journey. Take us through your story, a story that no one knows better than you, Barb. <laughs> oh,
1: well, I tell you what, uh, probably my son who lived it with me. Um, it's quite interesting Um the way I was brought up was was hardworking and uh you worked uh, on a farm and, uh, you know, it, uh, on a farm, you very have to be very disciplined to get an outcome uh, and also consistent. You can't just one day say, well, today I'm watering the plants and tomorrow I don't or uh, I'm milking the cows uh, today and tomorrow I don't. So consistency was very important to us uh, when we grew up. So when it came to my son um, and his, uh, his asthma, I started to eliminate consistently certain things, uh, which uh, yeah, you know, I thought might bring on an asthma, and I really never arrived there until uh, I was on holiday in Austria, and I came across those products, the Enya products, and I was very skeptical. Um, you know, I've, I have cleaned with bleach, I disinfected everything, including my son's skin and everything, and um, and so when I started cleaning them with with the fiber technology. Firstly, it had to clean. That was the most important thing to me. And uh, secondly, obviously, it was also super important that it's a boarded mark. But what's a product which does one thing and another? So it it did both. So the journey then began. I went to Austria, brought some product into the country um, and... Thought, well, if you love it, everybody else will love it. But business is uh, not only a passion. And I think that's where many of us fail very soon in our business without uh, you know the passion and the, the purpose, if it isn't great, but without, a, without a, the profit at the end of the day, which helps you to pay your, your, your business costs, wages, and stuff like that, it was a rude awakening for me that passion only can carry you so far. Mm. So this is what the first two years of of the way I created that. Probably the most difficult ones because I didn't quite understand, despite having an accounting uh, degree, that not everybody would buy it. Mm. You know, it cleans, it's better for the health, it's better for the environment, it's a no-brainer. But um, I came to realise very often that um, if you are not really affected by certain things you don't care Mm. Uh, really you know my son hasn't got asthma or my children haven't got asthma the environment is something there in in 1994 it wasn't in Australia or it was hardly talked about and then uh, what was left is yes it might clean but I have to change Mm. now Mm. really I need to be shown how to clean again and only water and fiber technology can't be working. So there were a lot of things which I didn't think about it because to me it was an no-brainer. And um, once I started actually educating myself then uh, what makes people really purchase something. And at the time, it was the price point. And being able to say, okay, you do not go shopping with a budget for cleaning products. You don't go in there. So I'm buy three years worth of cleaning products, $3,500 worth. You buy $20 a week, $20 a week, $20 a week. So you never see those $20 because mm. it just disappears. So that's how my journey then began and breaking it down, how much money you save. Then we went to the health and then we went to the environment. Interestingly though, Bring on 2021, sustainability, health, sustainability, money. Mm. Change totally. Mm. The money aspect now is like, okay, I accept that because if I go and buy an electric car, I'm investing in the future. So in the 27 years, the business has totally changed. So what I was talking about it 27 years ago was too early and nearly got me into dire straits mm. and that's where my passion and purpose for this product then carried me through. Yeah, no, I'm with you.
0: I I can hear what you say about passion only taking you so far and un- uncontrolled passion could take you to poverty really in yeah. a business sense. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So but let's let's go back then. So what you what I'm hearing is that Enyo was existing in Europe in in many countries or just Austria, which I think was
1: where you were born? Is that right? Yes, that's where the accent comes from. Yeah. Um, the Austria, uh, it was in the product was in about ten countries at the time when we joined, mm-hmm. and um, it was in Norway, Sweden, Iceland, uh, Germany, Austria, Italy. Um, the UK, they just started the UK. So in quite a few countries uh, already and and in France. But again, nobody could actually open the magic. They, they hadn't got a key to this magic door. You know, they couldn't open this. We had this amazing product. And until then, uh, in Australia started dissecting it and um and we are still to this date the biggest seller of any products worldwide and that we actually got some ground because a lot of business people sell to make a a profit and which 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 is even a non-profit company needs to do that but in in my case i was I grew up on a farm, for, so for everything it had had a, it had to have a purpose, mm-hmm. and uh, and an outcome when you did something, and uh, everything. You, and my my parents were passionate farmers; they they looked after the animals, and the, the gardens, and everything. It was done with care and with the best outcome for 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 the animals and for the farm. So you know, it wasn't just to okay, we farm to to to. to to create a big income. That was an important part as well. But with the best abilities uh, along the way and with with being really conscious to look after the land. So mm-hmm. they were quite progressive in that regard. Well, maybe not progressive so much. It was just it was just what yeah, it was done.
0: Yeah. yeah. Take us back though. What what where was Enyo, where was the country of origin then? You say it was 10 countries. Europe or found in Austria Europe, was found it in is Austria.
1: manufactured in Austria uh mm-hmm. it started by um the car manufacturers his father was uh one of those people who constantly wanted to invent things mm-hmm. invented the uh, fiber technology and where where the products are coming from it's called the Silicon Valley of fiber technology so if you if you would this is where all engineering happens, from Volvo okay. to the top companies, you know, Liebherr, all those big companies, there's an engineering world out there and they they constantly making new things. So it's it's just literally the, the mecca of fiber technology or of fabrics or anything like that. Okay. So, so, so his father technology. developed this fiber technology to clean up Lake Constance okay. because every weekend... Uh, boats uh, luxury um uh, not luxury leisure boats would leave a lot of oil and grease on on the lake so what did they do they chucked some more poison on it and and uh to congeal the oil and then it just sank to the ground mm. he wanted to remove this so he developed this huge mat of 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 fiber you know like our product now to absorb the oil Mm. bring the oil on board squeeze the 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 water out the water goes back in and the oil stays on board Mm. of 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 that cleaning boat and he developed that it worked and then "Eh, next thing so Mm. his son then started looking at the fiber technology if this can clean that surely it must be able to keep clean grease in the kitchen mm. so he developed a good kitchen and lo and behold it cleaned. and then the technology went further and further into it so it was quite an interesting way it was actually uh, de- uh designed because it was designed for the environment
0: mm. not
1: for people's health just to have a clean environment
0: mm. good purpose so you then brought this product or these products to australia under some kind of distribution agreement or some kind of license, did
1: you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, distribution agreement. So basically we had the freedom, basically. We were so young back then uh, and we all were just in our early 30s or late 20s and um, and then we all just said, well, let's do this together, you know. It was one of those, it nearly, you know, was like like the uh, Silicon Valley kind of mm-hmm. uh, vibe we had it was really the coolest thing mm-hmm. a young bunch of people and we just thought yeah we onto something good let's create magic here and so i got uh the licensee agreement for australia and um yeah and others had it for all over the, all over the place as well and yeah that's how we started mm-hmm. and developed that's- along the way as we went uh you know we 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 thought of the direct selling models because we wanted to show people how it worked. Mm. And uh, that's why our model is literally direct selling. So there is no multi-levels or anything. You sell, you earn, done. Mm. Um, so, but we needed to show the public how it worked in their homes. Now, of course, videos, uh, digital demos and, and websites. Of course. Biggest mm. change there. Show
0: that when you say direct selling model, take us through that. So it's not in your typical supermarkets or it's directly sold to a consumer. What through some kind t- take us through that story.
1: Okay, we call them um entrepreneurs, which are consultants. Mm. Uh when you imagine the old Tupperware, uh, you know, without playing games and uh without well, any of those things. So the model, basically, of of direct sales in that regard was you you have an entrepreneur on consultant who demonstrates the product, by demonstrating the product in somebody's home, the entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur earns an income. Yes. Okay? Uh, As simple as that, uh, because the product is seen. Interestingly enough, when COVID hit, our entrepreneur knew already how to work from home, Mm. our consultant. Mm. So they just went digital then and sold our product. So we had some of the best years since, uh, since COVID started because everybody needed to clean. Mm. We have 600,000 customers. They all went like, oh, my God, we need some more annual, you know. I suppose too. Bob, we were cleaning more than ever, weren't we? Yes. Uh, and, yeah. And we were more conscious also because living at home, you didn't want to, I mean, you needed to disinfect or you wanted to disinfect. But cleaning and disinfecting are two totally different uh, animals, you know. So, uh, so people went like, "Okay, I clean with Enyo, and I disinfect with whatever disinfectant they would." Uh, would in my
0: introduction about Enyo, I also talked about you had two companies: one Enyo Australia, which we've just discussed, yeah. and then we talked about Sante by Enyo. Yeah. Tell us about Sante. Was that an extension? of the brand or yes um in
1: 1993 um our manufacturer came across a doctor in one of the biggest hospitals in austria and uh, that doctor looked at the product and he said could you make me something to help people with open wounds from burn victims to um, uh, diabetic open wounds, any open wounds, because we need to clean them with gauze every day and um, and, and, and water, Uh, you know, basically, um, not not tap water, obviously. Um, So the gauze was so harsh on the skin that people feared the cleaning process. And the gauze also just went, if that is your skin, it just went straight across, mm-hmm. where our fiber technology will actually reach in. So it, the doctor, together with our manufacturer, started working on um, cleansing the skin that way, with open wounds. And lo and behold, years, years later, it became a huge success. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big um, uh, chemical non-chemical companies, um, logman and pausch uh, bought it up then companies uh, bought the technology up uh, which basically they sterilized packaging and everything and then started selling it to hospitals so we don't mean like oh why don't we use it for our skincare mm. remove makeup uh, for psoriasis for eczema for our skin and um then we went to the next level where we actually said, "Okay, let's develop something which uh, stimulates the blood flow uh, to the top layer of the skin um, to help people to remove acne." And we have done that for a very, very long time. We were the first one to develop the uh, technology. Many came and and uh, copied us uh, to a lesser extent. Um, But, yeah, that's how the skincare actually evolved. And then people went, like, I'm cleaning my whole house now uh, already without chemicals. I don't want to put something on my skin and cleanse my skin again uh, with, uh, uh, you know, with various cleansers and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's our contribution to skincare. Well, a good extension. And is that distributed
0: to customers the same way that, the Enyo cleaning products are done through almost like the the group plan, the party plan, or whatever words you put to describe it?
1: Okay. Um, Basically with uh, Sonte, we uh, have more an online presence. We do advertise on Insta and Facebook and get people to know. We stay away from shops per se because we were about to go into uh, quite a big uh, store here in uh, Australia and then we decided against it because people don't go shopping anymore like they used to. Mm-hmm. You know, in the olden days, I mean, you go to a shop and pick up commodities, you know, even like from milk, flour, stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. go to shops to. I go on a website, order it from wherever I order my food from, and then I go to the market garden, uh, gardeners and, on the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and um, which might be a bad, big pick up my, my organic food. And the same people shop nowadays. Uh, I wouldn't go shopping for face wipes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So people are really intrinsically now going it's Online. just a part of their life yeah. so we decided to stay out of the shop and what okay. we also find to be in a shop our prices would have to increase because yeah. they squeeze you so much yeah. you're left with no profit yeah. and yeah. the customer has to buy the extra we said no we stay you know more to, uh, we don't do more to the we we direct to the uh to the customer yeah you've got more control of the pricing Yes. Yeah, and it's a, it's a fairer price too because you, you, you don't bait the a middleman then, you know.
0: Let's talk about what you've learned in business over the years then, Barb, because it's the businesses, you know, there's the good, the bad and the ugly of business, you know, and it's the bad and the ugly that we learn the lessons that help us make our businesses good. Take us through things that you've learnt, maybe one or two of those major mistakes you might have even made but they taught you so much about how to do business better or drive your
1: business further. Well, I'm working at any given time with anywhere between six hundred to thousand people, women or or a couple of men as well. One of the things I had to learn is be a little bit more of all things, and I never thought I'm going to say this: selfish. -hmm. And by selfish, I I mean is I need to remember my vision and my dream for the brand, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately my goal. Yes, I over the years started listening to people who just focused on on turnover, um, and other people, you know, what you should do, what you should do, what you should do, and I started to self doubt myself. And I think you become too altruistic. You 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 actually in danger of losing your business because you cannot basically um, you can't serve every everybody. It's impossible. It's it's so people want so much. What you should do, and I think that's when I wavered uh, that that I didn't believe in my my own abilities and uh, was too selfless where I wanted to give too much and nearly the company nearly went under because of that. And, uh, you know, luckily okay. I always was in, in the position where I was surrounded by good people. What did, say, you, what did you do to change that then? What what changes did you have to make, I guess, in you? I, to be quite honest, I needed to have a look why I'm doing this. What, what, what is the purpose of this company? What do you want to achieve? I had to go back to me. And because the end of the day somebody will buy this company one day. What they don't want to do with the company is is their journey. For me, my journey was always to empower women along the way, but I mistook empowering uh, for actually enabling. Mm. So instead of actually enabling, um, empowering to to run their own little business and, and, and enable them, do, uh, do very little and still earn a good income. And that way um, people do less and less and less. You spend more and more on advertising and things. like that. So I had a rude wake-up call um, uh, from one of my very good mentors. And he said to me, um, want to be selfless? Become a nun. Go to <laughs> India and this, this goes back a few years, may I just say it might not be politically right? Go to India, become Mother Teresa and, and help mm. and help the poor. Mm. Run a business. You need to be selfishly thinking, what do I want to achieve for this business and, and empower people and in, motivate and lead people to the same goal? so uh you, you know because we, we were told all the time oh she's such a beautiful woman she's so selfless she does all those wonderful things and um it is such an old uh cachet that we as women need to be selfless mm-hmm. and give our soul to the devil you know to please everybody mm-hmm. um so that was that was a hard learning for me because it, i needed to bring it all back and i tell you what People grew with me during that period because it was more authentic
0: Mm.
1: and vulnerable. you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. You talked twice now about, you
0: know, what do you want to achieve with this business? Another way you said was what was my dream? What was my vision for the business? Take us through that then. What is your dream? What do you want to achieve? Um,
1: My first thing is uh, to remove single plastic from home cleaning. Okay. okay, that's all, this, this is our biggest mission as a company. Mm. Because if we achieve this, we have, a, we have a humongous impact on the sustainability and, and, and uh, environment here in Australia. We will be a, a contributor to zero uh, uh, omission by 2050. We will be, it will be humongous. It's, it's literally, um, we are COT-free company, so we, we don't leave a footprint. Everything we do, you we, we are dark green. Mm-hmm. So single-use plastic. The, thing, mm-hmm. the other thing is by doing so, the health of the individual will just go up exponentially because you're not bringing any poisonous, uh, poisonous stuff into your house, but neither do we create any. Because mm-hmm. to upcycle or to manufacture plastic or even the fume of plastics unnecessary plastics plastic is a necessity in certain things but there's unless the single use plastic is not necessary especially in cleaning products mm. um so and the health we will be live people will live healthier i look at um lots of studies worldwide i'm 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 a great uh, fan of uh, grace forest uh, she's um constantly a young woman focusing on, on women's rights, slavery uh, slaveries worldwide, you know, who makes our products and things like that. All those things like lean into the environment as well. So you can't just say, okay, I don't care who makes my product somewhere in India. Um, I don't care what they do with the dyes and all and, and, the chemicals that go into the Ganges, uh, Ganges, because meh, I'm not there. I just want to buy something for $5. I don't care if those women are enslaved. We need to basically back to this, this the health. It's not just the physical health, but a healthy mind, uh, the compassionate mind by, by us making small changes, by removing single-use plastic out of your cleaning routine. Mm. Our product produces in three years seven grains, grains of rice, the weight of seven grains of rice will actually uh, go into a landfill or will actually end up in the waterways Mm. in three years. With about, I mean, uh, most households use 36 plastic bottles a year, Mm. not the sponges, jugs, paper towels, and other things. Mm. So single-use plastic, number one. Uh, the health of the human race and uh, your own personal health. Your health, the environment and your health starts at home. Yeah, I can't wait for a politician to make up their mind. Mm. You still can have job and still use Vidania. You can actually have a job if you want to uh, spread the word. So there's all those benefits. So that's, uh, that's number two. Or they're all uh, equal. And I would... Desperately. I'm the grandmother of four-year-old twins. Mm. And I walked down to the river here in Perth, in small, uh, uh, to the Swan River, and um, and it's beautiful. Mm. There's no British stuff mm. in there. Uh, there's still fish. Um, and it's not that clean, but you still can go bar- swim in it without killing yourself, mm. which so many countries in there. I would like to preserve that for my grandchildren, mm, without a doubt. I'm glad. Ah, yeah, if, sorry, I get a bit carried away with those things.
0: No, no, not at all, not at all. You're very passionate about a very worthy cause and very important global human cause. Bob, if you, I've listened to your story, and um, you know, here you are, as you said, you were raised. What part of Austria was your the farm that you were raised on?
1: Uh, southern Austria, on the Yugoslav okay. the former Yugoslav border.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Which is beautiful. I've spent time around that area. And uh, in terms of if you took yourself back, you know, what, what age were you when you left to come to Perth? I was 24, 28. Okay, so let's say just before you came to Perth. All right. Didn't even really know where this remote city and the whole planet was, you know, that is Perth, most remote city in the world. Didn't probably may not have even heard or knew much about it at the time could you go, what could you do if you were sitting next to that young 22-year-old and she was sitting there dreaming as you do at that age of all the things that you're going to do in your life and who you're going to meet and, you know, how your life's going to take you, would you have ever believed that you would be in Perth, you know, with Enyo and Sante by Enyo? And, you know, one, would you have believed that this would be the outcome of your life and, two, Whether you believe that or not, what would you kind of say as a mentor or as a wise person to that younger Barb, you know? What what advice would you give her about life?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, Well, the first one is um, no, I wouldn't have believed any of this uh, because all I wanted to have in my life is my my little house, a picket fence, a VW and three children. Okay, <laughs> I didn't want to work hard at the big right You were brave with the three kids, but yeah, this so it's um, and uh, nature didn't allow me to have three kids, so I ended up with one. Okay. I had Mark when I was just nearly 19, but chosen not, not that I wanted that child very much and married very early, and um. You know what I would like to say to myself when I wasn't? You're going to be okay. Mm. You're going to be okay. Because I had so many fears which kept me awake. Uh, I couldn't speak the language. Uh, How will I be judged by the the Australians? Uh, Will I be, uh, I will have an accent all my life. Um, Will they see me as stupid? Um, You know, and then all the other angst, the pimples, the weight, um all about the external, you know and I just want to say to myself at uh, back then you're going to be okay just love yourself mm. just love yourself and uh and appreciate where you are now mm. uh, I think we or me it was always okay Work on this to become this person, and and as long as I can remember, it started probably with me when I was six, seven years old. I always had this constant drive, and um, and now as I'm getting closer to sixty, it is more like we're gonna be okay. Mm. You know, I still have dreams and ambitions, and 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 I, I think I might, the old days have been, HDHD, but um, at, at the time I was just very. Um, was fierce and uh, you know disruptive I was caught as well I was outspoken and all the things you know what what I was told I shouldn't be made me into the person I am today. It's
0: interesting because I've spoken over my life to a lot of people who are entrepreneurial and taking risks in business and in one time years ago I did a book for IBM and a couple of other organisations, you know, about profiling entrepreneurs in a really different way, you know, very, very different realistic way that we did it. And we did something that showed all these common characteristics. And while I'm not spot on with these three, they're very close from memory, fierce, disruptive and outspoken, they were pretty common characteristics and risk takers. And you coming to Australia, big risk taker. It's been wonderful talking to you, Barb. You know what? I'm going to give you some advice. You're going to be okay. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much. That was lovely. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me to your podcast. It was a pleasure. An absolute pleasure. I hope we speak with you again, Barb. I hope so too. Bye-bye.
0: All the very best. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.